Welcome to Sensitivity Sessions, a podcast for highly sensitive people about appreciating sensitivity and finding purpose as a highly sensitive person. I'm your host, Stephanie Gardner-Wright, a licensed psychotherapist and HSP consultant. On today's episode, we're talking about what it means to be highly sensitive, both from a scientific perspective and an experiential perspective. We talk about how to fine-tune sensitivity and what can often hold highly sensitive people back from feeling a sense of purpose or fulfillment in life. So let's get into it. Today's also our first episode. So why sensitivity sessions? What's with that name? So it's both a literal description of what I do as a therapist and a coach who sits with sensitive folks all day long. And also it's an invitation to go deeper in life and have a place to carve out a sense of meaning. Because if you're a sensitive person, odds are is that you're someone who needs to find a deeper sense of meaning in life to really feel like there's a reason to get out of bed every morning, going to work, doing the same old grind, coming home, going to bed, wash and repeat every single day is not it for you. And if you've been there, you've probably felt a sense of disillusionment at some point. One big tip off to high sensitivity is that you're someone who needs to find a deeper sense of meaning in life. And we don't often get that unless we're exploring that in a spiritual sense or perhaps if we're in more of a depth psychotherapy situation. So my hope is that this will be a space for you to carve out some time to really go deeper and turn inward. I started this podcast both because of my own experiences as a highly sensitive person and highly sensitive therapist and of the all the experiences that I get to hear from sensitive folks all day, every day. Most of us grow up feeling a little quirky, a little different from other people, or maybe even like we've been beamed in from an alien planet and really don't belong here in some way. So this is really common and this is often something that highly sensitive people feel, the sense of differentness and of not quite belonging to the world, which makes sense with what we know about the scientific trait of high sensitivity, which if you go to Google Scholar and if you look for high sensitivity, by the way, you're not going to find that phrase. So just hot pro tip, if you want to look at the research articles for yourself, Google environmental sensitivity or sensory processing sensitivity. Those are the scientific terms that the trait of high sensitivity is known as. So if you are someone who is highly sensitive, there's been found scientifically, it's been found that about 30% of all people have the trait of high sensitivity. So 70% of all people on earth are not highly sensitive. So it makes sense if you felt quirky or different from other people, that gives some insight perhaps as to why. The hard thing about this is that because we're only about 30% of people, most of us have turned this sense of feeling different inward, even if we don't realize that. And so we've felt that there's something wrong with us or there must be something about us that makes us feel a little bit different about other people, that there's something wrong about the way that they're wired when the truth is that this is a normal neutral trait, which means that you have it from birth. And it is a neutral trait, meaning that it can be really positive in your life or it can also make things more difficult depending on your upbringing. And we'll get into that a little more later. But just know for now that high sensitivity is not a disorder. It's not a condition. It's not caused from trauma. It's not anything that's developmental. It is a neutral trait that is genetic. Something that people are 
hearing recently is that high sensitivity is something really new, that it's been pretty recent. And truth is, high sensitivity has been known about at a scientific level or by major theorists. It's been known about for about 100 years. So Carl Jung, you've probably heard of that guy. Carl Jung actually identified temperamental sensitivity over 100 years ago, and he believed that roughly 20% of people had this innate trait. And it's funny because the research for years actually showed that about 20% of people, 15 to 20%, actually were highly sensitive. And it's only been in the last few years that we've actually updated the research to find that it's more like 30% of people are highly sensitive. So the primary tell of a highly sensitive person is that they are processing all incoming information both more deeply and more thoroughly than people that are less sensitive because sensitivity is a continuum. And that's also what the most recent research has shown is that everyone is on this continuum of sensitivity from low sensitivity all the way to high sensitivity. And folks that are over at the high end are in that 30% that are more responsive to subtle cues in their environment. They are more aware of social situations, of social nuance. fMRI studies have actually shown us that HSP brains will light up more in certain areas that are associated with social communication, social reward. So we literally are more attuned to other people. It doesn't mean that dealing with other people doesn't come without its challenges. But it does mean that we find more reward in social relationships, even more than your average person, is the upshot of that research. Highly sensitive people also have really intense emotions, even if other people aren't aware of how intensely they feel those emotions. So you may not be someone who cries at every Hallmark movie or every commercial, or you may be, but just know that high sensitivity looks different for everyone. So people may not think of you as a very emotional person, but still waters may run deep in that you may experience things really deeply, even if you're not exactly sure what those emotions are yourself. And that's something we'll get into in future episodes. If you've been a highly sensitive person who has a really hard time getting into your emotions and what that can mean. So why do highly sensitive people feel more intensely? Why do they feel more intense emotions? This is due to the intense processing of stimuli. It includes your five senses, social and emotional cues, as well as information that's in your environment. If you're sitting in a restaurant and you're ordering a meal, you're aware of what the waiter or waitress's expression is. You can tell if they're having a bad day. You also can hear what's happening around you in the restaurant and you're very aware of what's happening, not in a crisis level way, but just in in a certain awareness of you're not missing a single thing that's happening in that restaurant who's coming in and out of the door. And sometimes that can feel a little overstimulating, which is the one major difficult thing about being a highly sensitive person that many people will notice. And that's due to the sheer amount and volume of information that we're processing more thoroughly and more deeply every second of every day. So if we don't have built-in opportunities or make space for ourselves as sensitive people to be able to come back down and process all that information, we can get really exhausted. 
So again, being a highly sensitive person is innate, is something you're born with, and it's not a disorder. And part of the reason why we know that it's not a disorder is because there's not just research on human highly sensitive people. There's also been research in about 100 plus animal studies to date with all different kinds of species, including fish, reptiles, bugs, everything you could really think of, honestly, where they've discovered the trait of high sensitivity and it's in similar percentages as to humans. So around that 20-ish, 30-ish percent mark. And the hallmark of this, both in animal studies and in people, is what's called pause to check. So highly sensitive people, mammals, insects, fish, all exhibit this behavior where instead of just acting and rushing into a situation, they will stop and observe and see what the other members of the group are doing first and how it's going for them. So if you see this in the wild, this is going to look like a, a smaller group of animals, about 20% of that herd, for instance. They're going to weigh and just assess the situation before they go in and engage. So that's called pause to check. And if you think about it more in human terms, if you see a more sensitive child who is on a playground for the first time, what you'll typically notice is that they don't run headlong in to engage with the other kids first. They will stand at the edge of the playground. They'll look around. They'll scope it out. They'll see what all the different kids are doing. And then after maybe five or ten minutes, they'll make their way over and start feeling more comfortable in playing. So that's a very typical trait of being highly sensitive. But I bet that you, like me, didn't know any of this information growing up, right? You didn't know about the scientific trait of temperamental sensitivity. You didn't know that it was normal for over 100 species to date that they've been observed in their habitats exhibiting these behaviors. And so that's how we know it's not caused by trauma. It's not any kind of disorder because this is actually currently theorized as an evolutionary strategy that's a survival of the species. Because if you have a small proportion of people or of whatever species it is that can hold back and observe, if something catastrophic happens, your entire species is not going to get wiped out in one go. So current research is really identifying that we need about 20 to 30 percent of more sensitive people or, again, members of whatever species it is. We need that for survival of the species because this proportion keeps showing up again and again, and it doesn't really increase and it's not really decreasing in these various species, which is really interesting. But you didn't know this growing up, and what you did know, conversely, was that sensitivity in our culture. And I'm speaking from the U.S., so I'm talking more about American-centric culture, but I've heard from other folks across the world as well, depending from where they're from, that they're in their culture. This was also frowned upon. So if you have a different experience, I would love to hear about that. In Western culture, especially sensitivity, whether we're talking about it as sensitivity or if it's more implicitly seen as behaviors related, sensitivity is not seen as a good thing, unfortunately. And the tides may be shifting on that, but most of us were raised with those really harmful messages. We heard these messages growing up about sensitivity being weak. Don't cry. A quick wipe those tears away. Stand up. Brush, brush the dirt off. You throw some dirt on it. All these messages about being tough and not feeling your feelings. And for people that were raised as males, they often learn that the only emotion that's okay for them to express is anger, that all other emotions are not allowed to be expressed. And for people that grew up in female bodies, they learned that being sensitive is 
more feminine. Historically, there's a lot of really awful perceptions about sensitivity and over-emotionality. If you can see me on video right now, if you're watching the video version of this, I'm doing air quotes, where women were either imprisoned or put in asylums for being hysterical and that there were often reasons that male family members would want them to go away. Maybe they were inconvenient in some way. And so that was a good reason to be able to consign the female in your family that was creating issues for you to an asylum for the rest of her life because she had intense emotions. So many of us have learned even from our own lives, but also what we know from intergenerational trauma and epigenetics is that the experiences of our ancestors and forebearers can absolutely trickle down to us and things that have been traumatic for them that they've had to survive through may become things that we are avoidant of ourselves because of the genetic transfer of that. So for people in Western culture that have maybe experienced that or have had ancestors who were consigned to an asylum, it may have felt unsafe to show how deeply you really feel or to allow yourself to be emotional. Even within your own life, it's likely that you receive some messaging, whether it was in your family of origin or whether it was once you got into school or maybe a sports team. Once you got into the workplace, there may have been either some overt messaging or some implicit messaging where it was never said, but where you knew the upshot of that environment was don't show too much, don't think too deeply about it, don't take your time to make decisions. All of these things that highly sensitive people do, we tend to take more time making decisions and need more information to make a decision. We tend to feel deeply and need some time to parse through that because there are so many different data points that we're sifting through. And so these things can make us feel different. It can make us feel like a misfit, especially if that is not being reflected in a positive way in culture. So have there been ways that your sensitivity has been pushed back on by other people. Maybe in your family of origin, you would get those messages about, oh, don't cry, boys don't cry, whatever negative messaging you may have gotten. And those are really things that carry with us until adulthood, and especially if we're not aware of the impact that those messages have had. And in my opinion, this is why many people don't like their sensitivity. If you're early on your journey discovering that you're a highly sensitive person or maybe you identify as something else other than a highly sensitive person, but you can recognize that there's some sensitivity that you have. Typically, what what will happen is that we are disliking that part of ourselves or we're even hating our sensitivity because we're seeing it as the source of all of our problems. A typical way of thinking of this is, oh, if I weren't sensitive, if I weren't highly sensitive, then life would be easier. I wouldn't struggle so much. I could just live like everybody else without thinking too deeply and life wouldn't be so hard. And of course, there are absolutely challenges about being more sensitive at times. And there are things that are lifestyle choices that we may have to make in order to really support our sensitivity. 
But the flip side of this is that we have a lot of strengths and gifts that simply are not accessible to people that are not highly sensitive. And this doesn't mean that highly sensitive people are better or more special than other people. Absolutely not. Everyone is special in their own way. But it does mean that it's counterproductive for sensitive folks to try to be like other people that are less sensitive because we're asking someone to go against their nature and to really edit and cut off parts of themselves when that's not necessary. There are strengths that highly sensitive people have that we really need in society. But if we are feeling like our sensitivity is terrible and we hate it, then we are absolutely keeping the lid on every single one of those potential gifts or potential even neutral things about ourselves. And a lot of the sense of difficulty with being highly sensitive comes back to that overstimulation piece. We are easily overstimulated typically because of how everything is just cranked up a little bit for us. So not every highly sensitive person experiences noise as being louder or tastes as being more intense, but it is a common experience. So many highly sensitive folks will experience noises as being louder or more piercing than most people will. They will be more sensitive to subtleties in taste and flavor, and they may have other sensitivities too. It may be more difficult for them to get a sound sleep at night because they're woken up by noises, for example. Everyone's different, but these are common experiences. If we are living in a way that supports our need to decompress from overstimulation, we can get really resentful of our sensitivity and see it as the problem when, in fact, we might need to make some lifestyle tweaks that could make life a whole lot easier. So, for example, if you have a really busy commute to work and you have to go on a subway where you're surrounded by other people, if you can get a pair of noise-canceling headphones, that can really help in that situation where you're already potentially overstimulated before you even start work at 8 or 9 a.m. for your day because you've seen so many people already. You've been jostled by people in a busy city and you've had to deal with the mental load and the transitions of getting to work. And transitions can take a lot from us. So learning how to manage some of the overstimulation pieces of your sensitivity and find some appreciation for the unique ways that your sensitivity shows up and makes you who you are can really help highly sensitive people begin to tap into finding a sense of purpose in life. And at the beginning of this episode, I shared that highly sensitive people and just more sensitive folks in general tend to need a sense of something that's deeper meaning in life. We are typically more tapped into a spiritual aspect of life, regardless of if you have religious beliefs or not. We really find it to be the most peaceful thing. If we can be out in nature somehow, just being, connecting with nature, that feels really good to most highly sensitive people. And we usually have a sense of awe or curiosity or wonder about the world. We always want to know more really interested in how people work or how history wends its way together, different aspects of history. We just need to be thinking more deeply and critically about things to find satisfaction. And I'm speaking broadly. Of course, every highly sensitive person is different, but this is a pretty typical common experience for highly sensitive people. So if we're living on the surface of life, perhaps we're trying to fit in, even if it's subconsciously, we're trying to live life like the people around us 
that are perhaps less sensitive, we will often feel like there's really something missing in life and life might even feel empty or colorless. We might find ourselves constantly distracting ourselves with either scrolling on our phones or doing things that that fill our time, but they don't really feel that nourishing. So part of our challenge and part of our invitation as highly sensitive people is to find what really lights us up. What are the things that we really enjoy doing that nourish us at a soul level and provide that deeper connection to life instead of being safe and staying on the surface, which There's nothing wrong with that. It's often a survival strategy, especially if we've gotten those messages either from family, religious culture, sports teams that we're on, other organizations. If we've gotten those negative messages about being sensitive or about being a more thoughtful person or a more introspective person, then we can really hide our sensitivity and those gifts become inaccessible to us. So That is absolutely a survival strategy, and it's a brilliant one. It helped many of us get to adulthood and feel like we were able to be part of the world without feeling too different, even if there was a mismatch and we felt different inside, that the person that we presented to the world outside felt like we could be accepted. And that can be really difficult to begin to unpack. So if that's where you're at right now, I just want you to know that's normal and that it's okay to have been in that place or continue to be in that place. And also, there can be room to begin pushing against that a little bit and exploring ways that your sensitivity or a certain delicacy in, in how you are, the things that you enjoy, might actually be really nourishing for you. So a personal example from my life is I've always loved art. I would be that kid who would be pouring over a thousand page art book. I'd be so little I could barely lug it home from the library and I'd have a stack of books up to my eyes and they'd all be about art or my other favorite subjects at the time. And as I got a little older, I started to get self-conscious because I realized, oh, other people are not as into art as I am and it doesn't seem to feel as transcendent to them as it does to me. My favorite way to view art is from a distance and then I like to get up so close that sometimes I get yelled at by the docents. Sorry. If you've had to yell at me in a museum because I want to see all the brush strokes, I want to imagine what it was like for that artist to paint that piece of art. You can follow the brush strokes like you would follow the notes of a song, or I am in my imagination anyway, to see how they constructed that painting and made it. And as an artist myself, I love to do that. So that's something that I hid for a long time, especially as a teenager and moving into my college years, because other people maybe would say, oh yeah, art's cool, or yeah, I like to go to art museums. But I could just tell the level of deep soul level nourishment that I got from that, how transportive it felt for me was not how other people experienced art. And I felt embarrassed and silly and maybe even a little childish. And now in my mid-30s, I can see that, yeah, maybe other people don't resonate with that. Maybe they don't feel like they are transported into the heavens by looking at a piece of art, but I do. And that for me is a really important experience. And if I go too long without seeing a piece of art in person, I really feel that lack. And I found that's okay for me, that it's something that I have a need for to really be able to express myself both through 
seeing other people's art and being creative myself in whatever way that shows up. So that's just one example of how this can show up of seeing that we're sensitive. And for me personally, one way that my sensitivity shows up is a love for art. So tamping that lid down of, oh, I'm not going to let on that I enjoy this as much as I do because what will other people think of me? But part of our challenge and the invitation is to allow those things to open back up, to allow ourselves to fully enjoy things and maybe even find a renewed passion or calling for something that we've allowed to go underground for a long time. So when we're in a disempowered place as highly sensitive people, we really feel like our sensitivity is a burden. There's little, if anything, that's good about it. And we might even wish that we could excise this part of who we are from our being and from our psyche. Where, whereas when we're in an empowered place, we can recognize that our sensitivity is part of who we are, it's part of our temperament, and it's going to be part of us for the rest of our lives. And while it may have some challenges, it also has some unique gifts that make us who we are, that make us unique and really is part of the gift that every single human has on this planet in their own way, but it's part of our own unique gift that we can share with the world on either a small scale or a larger scale, whatever we feel called to do. So a journey for highly sensitive people can be to move from this place of feeling more disempowered or feeling more like a victim to our sensitivity to feeling like we are not held back by our sensitivity anymore. So we can learn to work through and support ourselves with the overstimulation piece, which again is usually the toughest part of being highly sensitive for most people and work through some of the beliefs that we've had about sensitivity, we can begin to move into a place of empowerment where we can find those specific gifts and sensitivity. And really, we can become more fully our authentic selves. So we're not adding more to ourselves. We're not becoming a whole other person. But it's often more like we are starting to peel back these protective layers that we've needed to survive. And we're peeling back those layers to become more of our essential self of who we really are at the core of us and our deepest expression of ourself. So that is a journey that I love to support folks with in my work as a therapist and as an HSP coach. And it's my hope that through our conversations on this podcast that you may find some more appreciation for your sensitivity and discover how your own gifts can come forward and you can find more purpose within your own life. Just know that there's nothing wrong with you for being sensitive. The world absolutely needs the gifts that you can provide, especially now where things can feel so coarse and so polarized and so binary. We really need voices that can see the nuance in things, can see the depth and the validity in different perspectives, and can hold the tension between all of those different perspectives, which highly sensitive people tend to be pretty good at doing. So we need those people to be able to step up, again, whether in a small way, whether you are holding space in a new way for the closest people in your life and finding confidence in your everyday life or whether you do this on a larger scale. We need these highly sensitive voices to feel empowered, to be their fullest expression. That's our show for today. Don't forget to subscribe so you can get new episodes hot off the press. And if you found this helpful, leave me a review. Thanks so much for joining me, Stephanie Gardner-Wright, on this episode of Sensitivity Sessions. I'll see you next time.